It has been two years since the trade galaxy was shaken to its core by the actions of a single, mismatched, multi-species crew. Whatever you think of the heroes of Yentao, also known as the Space Squad, one thing is certain. All eyes are watching for whatever they do next. Hey listeners, uh, this is Paige Selby Evans, your Dungeon Master and host, and I've just got a few, a few uh, quick things to talk to you about before we jump back into the Maelstrom Galaxy. First off, uh, thank you for your patience during our summer hiatus. It turns out moving into your first home during your work's busy period and a historic heat wave is actually really rather a lot, uh, hence the slightly longer than planned absence. Still, we're back now and fully intending to stay that way. Second is that this episode is a between arcs interlude, much like with the library mystery and arcade episodes. And so the lovely Jess Thomas will be taking a turn behind the DM screen while I play as Juniper Zenith Lewis, Faraday's human wizard criminal heiress wife. Thirdly, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy the show. is the 18th of March by Human Reckoning, when the Catherine Johnson 2 emerges from subspace via the Viriusir Scholter jump gate. She's a striking ship, a slightly retro Tang model with obvious and extensive renovations both within and without, and it's not unusual for her to draw at least a few appreciative looks as she sets down or passes overhead. There is nothing usual about this return. It's been over two weeks since you rose from Azalea's depths to find a city in chaos. Your return journey slowed by the need to stop for supplies to feed and support the almost 300 refugees you took in as the city burned around you. The field is usually a hive of activity, but today it is quiet. A line of Pluene and Apelta stretch across the field between you and the spaceport, and even from four decks up in the bridge, you can tell that they are armed. Among the armed people who are on the field, there is also a heavy press presence. Oh, no. Um, We've got refugees. Oh, no. We're a diplomatic incident. I don't know whether I'm, like, happy or sad that Lorelei already left. (laughs) (laughs) They're tragic boating accidents. (laughs) (laughs) No... Wait, no, that was my dream. <laughs> you think it might be a good idea that she's not here? She's dodgy in diplomatic situations. It could go really well or really, really badly. So it's probably a good thing that she took the minnow from your hold to the jellyfish along with Septiva. I mean, the alien probably would have distracted from the from the refugees a little. Not in a good way. It's true. I mean, there's so much for them to be angry at us about. Like, there's a new alien. Tali Goldenholm was there and we were totally seen hanging out with her. Coming out, like, of the ocean with her. Synth Rhythm is dead. Synth Rhythm. Oh, God, you were Synth Rhythm! Yeah! I've been thinking about this for the past two weeks. People saw Synth Rhythm go onto the planet and they've not seen them return. They knew, th- and they knew Synth Rhythm was with us. <laughs> Probably posted saying, like, I'm not dead. I was going to say, like, <laughs> it's been so two weeks. Synth Rhythm was seen walking around and it was a chaos. So I'm sure that after the event, Synth did, like, uh, you know, a quick video, like, 
Hey guys, not just wanted to say... Not dead. One thing of note did happen. You all received an email from Party, Party Silverhorn, and the tone of the email informs you that the underground auction that you are essentially being blackmailed into going to has been delayed due to the chaos on Azalea. The auction will be in two days in a cave under the city, opening at 9pm. You don't know exactly where Tali's Golden Horns will be billed in the evening, but you do know that they will be there. Party has also informed you that there are multiple possible ways of getting to that entrance, and also that Party will be there. Because underneath the city is a series of like waterways and reservoirs, would it be like a drained bit of the sewer, kind of? You aren't 100% sure, but you're guessing it's going to be bougie. Wherever it is, is going to be bougie. A real bougie cave. <laughs> a gentrified cave. There are also a few files attached on big players who are suspected to be there. Yaka Nazirel, who is a Namazir who is looking to build a luxury resort on New Anilu. Another not confirmed but to suspected is a human called Lyndon Quelbert, who is from a Martian syndicate family. Another who is suspected is a, a Pelton soldier called Girek. Corral, roll me a history check. Uh, dirty 20. You, Corel, would definitely have heard of her and know a bit more about her. her. Is, she, is she new colony? Uh, she's not. She is ex-Empire. Okay. And she is old. So soldiers live to maybe about 250 years. She's at least 200. You know that she left the Empire and worked as a mercenary for a long time. The ins and outs of exactly what she did and for whom are spotty due to the nature of her work. But now she lives on New Anilu and basically like like one of those heiresses who never got married but live really like in a really fancy flat in Manhattan. Um, the ideal. But also she's ripped and could snap you in half. The ideal. <laughs> Is she living on New Anilu as part of the new colony, or is she outside the Delve? She lives outside the Delve. Okay. Uh, she is... The reason you know so much about her is you're quite close with Ulial. So, she is a person of interest. She's not necessarily an enemy, but she's someone you want to have an eye on at all times, because you never know quite what she's going to do. Yeah, the moment Corel sees sees her on the file, they roll their eyes. Of course. <laughs> so, with all of this knowledge, you arrive on planet. <laughs> this is fine. This is fine. And, and are greeted by like that press pit as well. Yeah, a gigantic press pit flanked by armed guards. So, who exits first? Okay, folks. It's been a little while, but I've had some experience with diplomatic incidents and incidents where you get home, people are asking questions about what maybe your crew may or may not have done on X planet that you were exploring and maybe occasionally let a mountain explode. 
you, I have a certain way of answering things. So I'm going to suggest that I answer some of the uh, the bulk of these questions that people have. That is a good idea. What I would say is, I technically have an official position on planet. Yes. So you and me, I think. Yeah. We we should double team this. I believe in both of you. Um, and I'm going to cast enhance ability at a third level, so it targets both of them. Um, and I will choose whatever the charisma one is. Um, so yeah, you guys will have advantage on charisma checks for the next hour. It's probably getting to about 10 minutes since you've landed now, so <laughs> it's like... Yeah, we should probably get moving. Um, okay, so you all descend out and you find in the 10 minutes since you landed, someone's fully just set up a podium <laughs> right in front of the, of the, the gangway of, of the KJ2. That's so efficient. And there's at least 15 microphones on it. Oh my some God. with news channels you recognize, some that you do not. Uh, you see as you're walking up to the podium, so are Vulisi and Ulial. Ulial motions for Vulisi to step forward and begins. You are all aware of what has happened on Azulia. As the leader of a people who have been seeking refuge for decades, we will be welcoming refugees here. Nuanalu is open to those who have lost their homes. We will be offering what was not offered to us. Everyone deserves safety from war and violence, and we hope to provide that. Whether they wish to stay on Yuanalu with us for a long time, or simply until they can return home, or are able to move on elsewhere, that is their choice. The full details of our plans for their refuge will be available shortly, and we will not be taking any questions on our motivations for this decision at this time. Both the chorus and the leaders of the Delve are in agreement on this. At which point she turns to Ulial and they both nod. We ask that you keep your questioning of the heroes of Yentao brief, as we are sure the refugees on their ship are hoping for perhaps some roomier accommodations and some more certainty on how their lives are going to look for the next few weeks and months. Thank you. Uh, she steps down and looks towards Crick and Krell. Uh, thank you for that. It is uh, very good to know that the victims of this horrible event will have some kind of certainty uh, for the next few weeks and months. We are open to any questions uh, at this time. Uh, please, one at a time, please. You see shouting above the rest is Dana DeCall. Dana DeCall. Mitchell Crick! Captain Mitchell Crick! You were present at this atrocity. Could you give us a brief overview of what you saw? What I saw was an unprovoked attack by a pirate band on another pirate band with innocent people caught in the middle. And we did our best to help those who were affected by the conflict. Thank you, Captain Crick. 
she sits down and younger Namazir, who you don't recognize, stands, mm. you're assuming has come to New Alanlu just for this press conference. You and the he- heroes of Yentao, they sort of roll their eyes at that, Ooh. seem to quite often be in the wrong place at the wrong time. As you accurately noted yourself, we are considered heroes. We are frequently called to places that are dangerous, prone to conflict, and we have no way of knowing when those conflicts might occur. But when you find yourself, as we so often do, in places that are uh, lawless or dangerous or conflict-ridden, sometimes tragedies and wars will happen, and we can only do our best to help when they do. You go through various other questions. It lasts about 20 minutes. Then Lulisi and Ulial walk forward, wrap things up. Everyone is gone within 10 minutes and nothing is left except for the indents in the field. You have two days. Do you want to do anything in those two days to find out about the heist? Party's message told us that it was going to take place in an underground cavern underneath mm-hmm. the city. I think Junie would definitely want to know more. That would be her aim. She's like, I want to know the space, where the exits are, where the entrances are. Like that's She likes to kind of know the environment. Um, okay, from the email, it said there was a fake storefront in the Delve that behind it you could enter a tunnel, which would get you there. Or there are a couple of tunnels in the uh, woodland outside of the city that you can enter, but they all end up at the same cave. So what I want to do is that all the names we've been given, um, I want to try like see if they have social media profiles, see what they like, but then also listen to as much audio of them as I can, because my active feed means that if I listen to them for about a minute, I will be able to mimic their voices. So that, So I'm getting that done ahead of time. But yeah, also just general things like what they do, what they're into, maybe their sexualities, see if they're flirting with anyone, all this kind of thing. Okay, just so info. Uh, Lyndon Quelbert has a fuckboy profile, basically. <laughs> oh god, I figured. Like, oh. like an upper class, overly rich fuckboy. Oh, so once again, it's kind of like a crypto vibe. Big crypto vibe. Oh god! Oh, it's even worse. Oh, I hate this. Oh. Yeah, he's he's big into his rise and grind. Also, traditional Earth cars, like muscle cars. Oh, okay. So my idea was a bit similar, but I think of a way that's actually useful still. Corel's going to do their own research on these people, but it's they're going to go into government records and police reports and and try to see the stuff that wouldn't be on social media. Garak has a thick-ass fucking file. Yakar Nazirel is clean. Is it clean, like, actually clean, or clean like they've gone to a lot of effort to hide? Roll an investigation check. Uh, 23. Uh, yeah, 100%. This is suspiciously clean. I would like to use the two days to try and make some sort of replica horns. Oh, man. Ooh. Oh, Indiana Jones style. Swap mm. them out. Uh, and I imagine probably with schlep to make them more like shiny and look nice and stuff. But... Mm. Uh, you can get the exact specs that Lorelei used. Roll me a metaneering check. 
25. Uh, you can manage to make it not in gold. But one other thing, and I actually want to approach Junie about this. Uh, Junie, so mention of some potential jellyfish connections in terms of attendance. I'm just wondering, I'm not asking you to, to be clear, but if someone were to reach out to your mother for information? To, to like, um, ask her who's going? Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, I could do that. If I'm not saying you have to. If you don't want to, I understand. I, I can do it. No, it's okay. I'll ask her. Cool, cool. Hey, um... Hmm? I've not really mentioned it to anyone else yet, but... I kind of have this... wild idea about... Well, I mean, if we needed it, I, it wouldn't be super great for me mentally, but, like, I look a lot like her. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I have my, my disguise kit I can break out. We can accentuate a few things. I mean, high risk, high reward, potentially. Yeah, I, I don't know if, like, it's a necessarily a starting strategy, but, like, it could definitely be a good distraction. That should definitely be on the table. Genie, you head into the grand throne room of your mother, only to find that she is not there. Oh. Sat in her place is your younger sister. <laughs> <laughs> With Liam cheekily standing next to her taking pictures. Oh my god. Oh. It's Iris. Junie just immediately face palms, loud enough that it's like a slap noise. Slap. <laughs> Liam does not stop taking pictures, but he does wave the second Iris clocks you. She jumps down off of the throne and yeets herself across the room at you. Uh, I dropped my knees and like grab her under the armpits and hoik her up. Hey, you. Are you in charge today? Yes. Are you telling daddy what to do? Daddy always does what I tell him to. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. Uh, where's mommy? Out. <sighs> I kiss Iris on the head and then I kiss her all over her little tiny face. And I'm like, you stay in charge till mom gets back, okay? Yes. Pay the hug tax. Uh, and I jostle her on my hip. I think I'm already paying the hug tax. Don't you want a hug? It's okay if you don't, but he's very good at hugs. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll hug um, Liam. Come here, Papa. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> he, he looks at you with the, the riest smile and gives you a big, both with Iris in the middle, gives you a big Iris sandwich hug. And then um, as he lets go, he takes Iris with him. Um, I say to him, while we're hooking, I say into his ear, you are my dad, just so you know. Okay, uh, so you've had your two days of researching and squirreling about. Do you have a definitive plan? So our current plan is that we are going to go to the auction and we are going to try and manipulate one of the three suspects. In this case, we've picked, we think... 
Yaka Nazarel, the Namazir, because we think he might be the easiest target. Indeed. We're going to try and manipulate him into buying the horns and then like bringing them to us because we're going to try and blackmail him. Indeed. Speaking of which, Corel's going to try and, using the scrubbed documents they found, are going to try and create some forged incriminating documents to use as blackmail material. Should I roll for blackmail documents? I'll let you do an investigation check. Um, so that'll be 17. Okay, so basically what that means is you've made them and the DC that he will have to beat in order to realize it's a fake is an insight of 17. Okay. Now the big question is, are you entering through the wilderness tunnel or the tunnel in the delve? I mean, we have invites, right? Delve. Depends on whether or not you want to be seen in the city disappearing then reappearing. What do you guys think? Because I feel like I'd just go through the delve. Well, yeah, I didn't go through the delve. I'm just trying to think of my alter self spell because that's only an hour and I don't know how long it takes. We'll work that out as we go. There'll be a bathroom. I'll have a big cloak on while we're wandering. <laughs> do you want us to roll for the disguise at all? And you have a, you have advantage. So that's 24. Most people won't bother checking. But if you start acting suspiciously and people notice you're acting suspiciously, the DC will be 24 to notice that you are in some sort of disguise, except for Schlurp, who will be using Alter Self. Okay, so you head down into the delve. The layer below where Faraday's shop is, you head to the back of a very well-known meat muffin shop you have to head into their freezer and the back of the freezer is a fake wall Ooh. oh that's fun there's a fake wall that you go through and then it closes then another fake wall that you get into a natural tunnel there are people who check you there you have to show basically the digital key that you were given and you're let through about a 10 minute walk later and things begin to get more decadent. There are wool sconces, and probably after just over 20 minutes of walking, you rock up at a very ornate set of doors, flanked by a Namazir and a Pluin. At this point, you've started to see people. You are once again asked to swipe your digital keys but you haven't used any illusion, ma illusion magic. So you basically walk through it like it's a metal detector. None of you change because it's not a metal detector. Oh. It uh, basically dispels any illusion magic. Oh shit. <laughs> um, one thing is your comms, unless you have chosen to disguise them or hide them in some way, are taken from you. Whoever is best at sleight of hand can roll sleight of hand with advantage. Oh, that's me. That's me. Yeah, they'll, def they'll definitely be corralled. Is it the rogue by chance? <laughs> 26. Yeah, they don't find them on you. So you guys head in to the most beautiful cave you have ever seen. It's about 20 feet up at its highest point. The features of the cavern itself have been incorporated into the design. They've been trussed up with sparkly lights and there's fancy tables and people walking around with tra trays of canapes and the trays are most likely actually made of silver. And you realize there is another set of ornate doors around the other end of the room 
and you sort of gather that that's where you will go once the auction starts. It is currently 8.15. You have 45 minutes to find your marks. So this is like an antechamber. Yeah. And are there just the two entrances and exits? So you've got the one that we came in through and the one that leads presumably, presumably to the chamber proper. Yes. Those okay. are the only ways in and out. It would seem that there is a water feature down one end and then there are a couple of spotlights that instead of being attached to the cave are set into the cave, which you think might mean that there may be tunnels behind them since the rest of like the updates and architecture that has been put in here kind of goes with the natural formations. Shall we introduce our disguises as we enter because i imagine we're probably we're not entering as a gang that's quite obvious we're entering at staggered times right yeah uh i will go first i'm disguised as another human but i've got like a fancy coat and stuff but i've got like a waiting uniform on underneath with the hopes that we can try and infiltrate that roll me a luck check <laughs> four <laughs> you realize that all of the wait stuff are pluine. Every single one of them is a pluine. <laughs> and also they are wearing very specific masquerade masks and like little suits. So my disguise is I'm wearing a suit. It's not a tuxedo, it's just a suit. I've got I've got like disguise myself by like getting rid of my beard and I've got clipped hair. I think Junie arrives next, maybe quite quickly after Crick. She's taken advantage of Corel's disguise kit and looks like another human woman who is not herself. Most significantly, she's wearing the bright scarlet coat with the embroidered white hand of the Lady Zenith. So she's come as a hand of the Lady Zenith, one of her servants. Ooh. Corel has come in as a Namzir, um, looking sort of vaguely pro sort of professional, vaguely casual, basically the fact they're looking is to be undercover, but to quickly be able to switch modes into basically an undercover agent of a of a criminal investigation agency. Which leaves us at last with Schlurp. So <laughs> I enter we're, wearing a big coat, and as I come in, I make a big display of taking it off, like a very <laughs> "It's me, Anastasia" type thing, and I hand it off to someone. Um, it is me. Trisha Delise, <laughs> like I'm, I'm like, I'm like decked out. I got like blonde hair, kind of piled up into a really fancy style, full makeup, slinky dress. Um, very, very honeypot situation going on with me. I'm, I'm making it. It's like, look at me. I am to be looked at. Uh, you are all in this incredibly decadent room. I would like you to all make perception checks. Fourteen. One natural one. Fifteen. Big ol' five. Okay. Twenty-two. Okay. So, Junie, uh, <laughs> Corral, and Faraday, you see all of the people that you thought. The Grand Vault Keeper is here, as reported. Liam and Lyra are speaking with her. And they're obviously having a not particularly subtle conversation about reclaiming Pluene artifacts. Lyra doesn't look like she has any weapons on her. But, uh, Junie, you know better. You mingle. Um, the only people who see your three potential targets are Corral, Junie, and Faraday. Schlurp, you are too busy feeling pretty. 
<laughs> I would like to try and catch Corel's eye to. I feel like we would have talked about it beforehand because obviously Corel smuggled in the comms mm. devices for yeah. us, but try and give them the the signal of I've spotted uh, I've spotted the people. Have you also? We should hand out the comms. Mm. No, I think um, with Corel's help, you managed to hide them on yourself. Yes. Yeah. Then, yeah. So you've got your comms, and you just sort of indicate to Corel that you've seen, and then Corel can indicate back that they've seen as well. Junie just sends like a, a mass text, being like, "Find your," and then panics because she's like, "I probably shouldn't type targets," so she just puts in like a crosshair emoji. Oh God. <laughs> That's, that makes worse. It, that's worse. That is worse. That's, you see how that's worse, right? <laughs> she has <laughs> ADHD. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Judy does have ADHD. That's true. So uh, you managed to find your people. Yaka Nazarel is here alone in the Namazir equivalent of like a $5,000 suit. Not wearing comms, but like touching his wrist as if he's used to wearing like something expensive there. You find Lyndon Quelbert. Lyndon Quelbert is wearing a bright purple velvet suit. He has his hair like slicked back and miraculously has a cocktail stick sticking out the corner of his mouth. He is really committing. You can also see that he's probably got a huge amount of tattoos from what little you can see. Girek is in a corner with... A Pluine, an Araswati, and three humans around her, talking very loudly and animatedly. She looks like terrifying Miss Piggy Space Barbie. <laughs> My ideal her. woman. <laughs> Good for her. You can actually relatively easily get a list of billing for the evening. <laughs> it is physically on paper. You go through and you realise the opening docket is left as a surprise. The opening? Okay. Oh, wow. That's not much time. About 25 minutes until the doors open and what you presume will be the horns of Tali Goldenhorn will be put up for auction. I try and sort of non fairly nonchalantly come up to Diaka. Can I do a quick insight check before I talk to him just to get his... Uh, yeah. Uh, that's, uh, 27. You can see he's very much, like, looking down on the majority of people here. He is a no-nonsense old-school businessman. You see he's a little bit older for an Amazir. He's been doing this a while, and he's powerful, and he knows he's powerful. So I, I just come up to approach him and in a way where I make clear I want to talk, but I'm also letting him get the first word in. Good evening. And you, sir. I have to say, I was inspecting someone of your calibre to uh, be at such an event. Ah, I see my reputation precedes me. As you seem to already know, I'm Yaka Nazarel. What might I call you? Q Nar Naravine. At your service. I give a bow. A pleasure to meet you. And he sort of bows his head just a little. How may I help you? Actually, I, of course, this is a rare opportunity. I was wondering if I could have a word with you on a business matter. Hmm. I am 
actually here looking for new business. You are in luck. You have 15 minutes before they usher us through. Use them wisely. And I pull out my comms things. Um, some certain documents recently came into my acquisition and I am wondering how to make best use of them. And I just show, show them in a way just to emphasize the potential incriminating nature. Ah. Uh. We both know there wouldn't necessarily be enough to fully incriminate you on the basis of these documents, but if they were to go to press, they would raise questions and a more thorough inquiry might arise that might find something more substantial. If you've done enough to make those, you know I don't leave tracks. Indeed, but I do have have connections to some people who are very good at finding even the vaguest hints of tracks or just tracks from the absence of tracks, as it were. Roll me an intimidation check. That'll be 16. He only rolled a 9 plus 5, which is a 14. And he's like, hmm, this is true, this is cool. Could cause me trouble. It's good enough for most people not to notice. What do you want? All I need is your cooperation this evening with the the manner you go about bidding. I do have a limit to my riches. How much of it do you think you could possibly need? Well, here's the other question. What did you come here this evening looking to acquire? Some trinkets, perhaps? Perhaps this secret opening item? Well, it is mostly the secret opening item that we are interested in this evening. I could stretch to one and a half million credits. Insight check to see how much of a bluff that is. Uh, that's dirty 20. He's lying that that's his upper limit, but he's not lying that that is how much he is willing to give you. Very well. Pleasure doing biz with you, with you. And you. I think I tried to mess- message Corel like, update, question mark. I, he saw th- through the documents. I played, I played it off as best I, I can. He's prepared to go to, to bid what, up to one and a half million credits on the horns. I'll go up and talk to Lyndon. Is there anyone around him? He was talking to one person, but they recently walked away. Um, right. So I will go over to him. Is he kind of like leaning against the wall or what is he doing? He's leaning on the bar. I will go and I will order a drink. You walk over and you order a blue Russian, which is essentially just a white Russian, but with an extra few drops of some incredibly strong Namazir spirit in it sort of makes the milk curdle and it's actually really gross (laughs) you get it relatively quickly and the linden next to you lifts his what is obviously basically space whiskey bold choice for so early in the evening i like to start things off with a bang he purses his lips and breathes out and takes another sip he's like what are you doing here he gets out one of the leaflets and as if to, like, show it off to you, and he's sort of put notes next to some of the really expensive items. Uh, can I take, like, a quick scan of what he's looking at? He's put some question marks near, near the top one. It's basically all the expensive stuff. 
one of the things he's circled is just fully a Mustang. Like it's it, it's a bright. Oh wow! <laughs> the most expensive thing is the starting bid is two million credits. Oh, that does look good. Bit of really fun riding around in one, wind in your hair, going down to the beach. I think so, but uh, mostly these old things, you've got to put them behind special glass, like, and then just he goes off on one about really technical car stuff. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Schlepp is fully glazed over. <laughs> but like nodding, like, yeah, yeah, sipping, yeah. And then, like, after a minute, he sort of judders and realizes what he's done, and he's like, but yeah, I guess going to the beach would be cool too. And he's just, he's sort of leaning and he fully has like three buttons undone. Um, I push my elbows in a little bit. <laughs> and he, he looks down. It's really cool that you, that you know so much about this kind of stuff. I've never really been able to get my head around it. Too many, too many big numbers for me. Oh, God. Ah, Come on. Sorry. Out of character. Ah. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is where I'm going and I hate it, but. Oh, um, God. Ugh. Uh, uh. He, his eyes light up a bit and he leans in and is like <laughs> this is worse <laughs> and he he leans in and like takes a napkin and starts like jotting stuff down and talking about cars <laughs> oh dear he's a mansplainer but also a, an excitable little car lad <laughs> can I try to do like some inside check on this uh, do an inside check for me uh, my inside's good so that should help 29 Um, you realise that Whilst he's been sent here to open up a new, like, delegation of his syndicate, you think he's been sent here because he is a yuppie rich moron and they know they'll ev never be able to open anything up without TLZ's approval, so they just sent a guy who won't do it, who won't, will try, but will fail. He's been sent here to be out of the way. Okay. Right. But he is not lying about how much money he has. So he's rich, but stupid as fuck really really stupid he, he this boy should just go to sensitivity classes and become a mechanic oh, guys we picked the wrong target this guy is way easier it's okay i have tits <laughs> <laughs> i have tits and really good really good persuasion score oh wow Ooh. <laughs> well whilst that's my the thing i'm most personally interested in i've heard rumors that this opening docket, Tali Golden Horns, Golden Horns. Tali Golden Horns, Horns? Oh my god. I know that would be quite something to put in the house. Would look fantastic on my mantelpiece. But be even more, even more, more lovely to have my mantelpiece when. Why? <laughs> Wait. I want to die. <laughs> How do you think I feel? I'm doing it. Um. You started it. You started it. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Paige looks like she's in pain. Shannon's here as a sugar baby. <laughs> Daddy, buy me some horns. <laughs> I have a very high caliber of dinner guests, and I'm sure they would also enjoy it. Or maybe they'll. They'll bring some romantic luck into the family. <laughs> Can I see Junie? Junie's very obvious. Okay, I nod over towards her, like, to indicate, like, that he should look over. Let's just say I've got more than one form of protection this evening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> 
Oh, God. Oh, dear. If you can get those pretty little horns for me, I can pass them along to my contacts and maybe I can put in a good word for you. Say what a gentleman you are. How much do you think that would be worth? Well, let's, well, let's say a, a cool, cool couple million should handle it. If you can go a little higher, that would always be good. You drive a tough bargain, but uh, I think I can make it up to 2.2. Excellent. I suppose we have a deal then. I suppose we do. He flags down the bartender and gets you in another round. I lean away and I do text in the thing. Goldlinda wrapped up. He's willing to bid 2.2. Shall we uh, get on with the stealing? They bring the horns out and there's a... (gasps) (gasps) They are tall, curling, resplendent, shining gold inlaid with small, rough redstones, uncut. They've got intricate chains linking each one and patterns, in some cases hammered in, in some cases embossed, in some cases raised. They are beautiful, but not the finest craftsmanship. You get the idea that the money in it is definitely the political power of owning them. You can tell with your passive insights, so probably Faraday can tell the easiest, somewhere between 25 and 50% of the gasps are theatrical. The rumor of these got out. The bidding starts at 1 million, and at that 1 million mark, only one person bids. You see Yaka puts his hand up, and then you see Lyndon looks over at you, winks, and then hand up. 1.8 million. Going once. Going twice. Sold. To the dapper gentleman in the purple suit. Did what you asked? Um, who do I give him to? And what do I get? You said you had connections. But, uh, I want a meeting. At least half an hour. Yeah, I should be able to set up a meeting with her in a couple of days. Um, meet us in the Blue Diamond meeting room in two, in two days' time. Lovely meeting you. Lovely indeed. And he sort of awkwardly shuffles a little bit. Oh. And then walks away. You guys go home. Have a great night. And we zoom forward a couple of days. How are we going to work this out? Is Junie going to be TLZ? Is... I think Shlerp and Junie have to have a conversation about this. Yes. I actually talked to Corel about doing this exact thing so I don't really know why I'm upset but hey at the end of the day this is a massive success mostly conducted by yourself so well done like I think this is the smoothest we've ever done anything yeah as operations go pretty good (laughs) so I'm gonna suck it up and we're gonna do this thing I will literally give you any favor you want. Name it. I will do it. I think that's the least I can do for have for making you at having you for have you having to be your mom for any period of time. I'll let you know when I think of something. But my instinct is saying to ban the nightcore, the music at three a.m. But you haven't done that for ages. And she just kind of laughs and then says, "You've really grown up. It's cool. You're cool." Thanks. I really like who you're becoming. Not that you need my approval, but like, 
It's really cool. I hope you know how cool it is. Thank you. It's cool that I'm being called cool. Slurp. I... Oh, here he comes. Uh, he knocks and comes in and you realize irritatingly Liam's having a conversation with him and is walking through the door. (laughs) (laughs) Of course he pulls something like this. Liam, I thought we agreed that I would get to introduce myself first, darling. He looks over and smiles and shrugs and just sort of leans against the back wall and motions for Lyndon to come forward. Hello, your ladyship. I've bought, uh, and he brings out like a lockbox onto the table, opens it up, and takes the horns out and puts it on the table. I make like a big show of studying my fingernails, like one at a time, and then idly like glancing over at the horns, and I just go, Cute. The horns of Tali Goldenhorn. These are your peace offering? Little present? Gift? Try something to ease the way. Um, I was a gift with uh potential for further conversations. Hmm. Ginny leans across the table and uses one finger to drag the horns across the tabletop, trying to make like making it go as she does. She does it really slowly, and she goes. I will consider. Oh, sorry, I was finished. Okay, uh, well, uh, and he slides his business card and, like, various other business cards across the table. He's like, this is mine. This is my mum's. She's the head of a crime family. Um... <laughs> this is a crime family oh business God. card. <laughs> Here is oh my, my crime family business card. Well, uh, thank you for your consideration. And you realize he's holding a coffee in his other hand, and he's like, looks over at Liam as like, "Thank you for uh, my coffee." Um, <laughs> he's doc- polite at least. <laughs> uh, Doctor Malcolm, and he just goes, "Trisha," and then walks away. <laughs> you have the horns, and you know where Lorelei is. So you head upstairs and you find Lorelei sat on the floor hugging the egg. We just, I mean, she's really perceptive. I imagine she sees us coming. Yeah, she sees you come in and sees what you're holding and like jolts and comes over to the two of you and is like, are those what I think they are? Ginny balances them on one finger and just says, the future of these is something you should decide. Hey, it's Paige Dolby Evans, your game master, host, and resident dog person. I just wanted to say that the Junket podcast wouldn't be possible without the talents of the lovely people behind the characters. That's my wife Leonie as Dr. Faraday Zenith Lewis, Duncan as Corel, Elle as Captain Mitchell Crick, Shona as Schlurp, and Jess as Lorelei Widewanderer. Our show is powered by a modified version of Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. To learn about the custom rulings, mechanics, and aliens that make our game possible, you can visit our website, thejunkitpodcast.com, or just ask us on Twitter at thejunkitpod. Lastly, if you're both willing and able, you could support the show over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash thejunkitpodcast. That's all from me. See you in a fortnight.